0: Um. What episode of the podcast is this?
1: Nine hundred. Okay. Well,
0: that's a useless bit of voice that you just threw up at us. <laughs> <laughs> acceptable podcast 196 is the episode number creeping up on that 200 where every tuesday we get a bunch of comic books at the comic book shop that we own and run and love and then we come back onto this room this hallowed ground and we you know decide to talk to them we love comic books we like talking to people that love comic books and in a world where we don't really have a place to do that the comics place it's nice to do it on here we engage in a variety of tangents either related to or unrelated to the books that came out that week the comic shop that we worked in and still do work in and the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Jeff, and I'm just trying to tighten that thing up a little bit. Just, you know, just tight,
1: tighten just, the intro up. Just hey, tighten it up. we're the comics place, and we like comics.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't get enough of our personality out there within the first, you know, like, <clears throat> minute and a half. I want them to know that we don't give a fuck like most people give a fuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying we give a bigger fuck?
0: I'm just saying not a lot of people say the comings and goings of our lives. You know, it's it's like it's got an element of the days of our lives in it. And I want to make sure people don't think that I am a serious person except for when I'm being fucking serious like I am right now.
1: They know. <laughs> they know when you're being serious. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> um well, that's
0: Django and that's Roman.
1: Oh yeah. Oh hey. gosh, hey. yeah. I'm Django. Know- you can call me Raw Daddy. Oh uh, i'm roman uh
0: how you doing nice i love <laughs> that vibe i love like you know like i love roman's like i'm not gonna try and i'm not gonna try and play their game where i say a dumb like i'm roman and i'm zany i'm just like i'm roman and i'm the closest thing to walter cronkite the comics place has you know so and i'm here to talk to you how are you you know phoning in i'm roman
1: hard. don't call me daddy call me father
0: yeah exactly i'm your father let me let me sit down by the fireside and talk to you about the changes you're going through
1: <laughs> man uh, i'm going through changes are you do you want to talk about them i got white pubic hair now man oh my god
0: <laughs> we're already that's here not, that's not what i expected him to say <laughs> this is that's that's the face of jeff deciding if he's going to cut that out or not
1: <laughs> you leave it alone <laughs> you leave
0: my pubes alone <laughs> Um, we're gonna talk about comics because we like comics and we like each other. And listen, dear <laughs> listener, we like you as well and your pubes. We're gonna talk this week about let's talk Batman. about Moon Knight.
2: He's he's all white. Moon
0: Knight. <laughs> Moon Knight, the superhero incarnation of Django's pubes, yep, his pubis yep. mound um the books that we're going to talk about in addition to moon knight's pubes are i hate that that's the thing that's already come up like three times in our five minutes of podcasting right like you don't much like your kids you don't pick them this is somebody's first
1: episode probably exactly they're gonna love it or hate it
0: yeah yeah how old are these guys yeah yeah for sure (laughs) the young one seems the least into the pube talk which is counter to what i would think the books we're going to talk about are batman three jokers number two Department of Truth, number one. Shang-Chi, number one. Ten of Swords, number two, which is X-Factor, number four. Immortal Hulk, The Threshing Place, number one. We're going to talk about Death Metal, Dark Knights, Multiverses End, number one. We're also going to talk about Savage Avengers, number 12, and... Then we're also going to talk about wind, number four, and that's going to do it. And then we're going to bring our friend Andrew Fotshots in um, to to, uh, really have some fun with us. And now, like I said, let's get into the first book, Batman, Three Jokers, number two. (laughs) Oh!
1: I tuned out there, Jeff. What are we talking
0: about? <laughs> at the end of that, Django did a very cool thing where he was like, oh, don't forget to say Batman 3 <laughs> Joker's number two. But it was the first one I said. I'm but listen, chump. I talk a lot. So I would also have to develop some unique filter for like when I'm actually processing Jeff's words if I weren't Jeff. <laughs> so whatever filter you've got at this point is working pretty well. Unless it's just gaping and open like all of your malls. you know, all oh, of your filter holes. God. <laughs> okay it's been it's been a handful of days since uh I read Batman Your Joker three <laughs> Batman, <laughs> Batman Year of the Joker <laughs> three Jokers number Two because d c books actually showed up on time, uh which is insane. Well, yeah. relatively on time, but it meant that they got here early and we got to read them uh, earlier in the week than our normal flow of books, which is a a blessing, and it should only make things easier, however. If you live your life in the unbreaking wheel of time that just turns ever forward with the same asinine markings, and then something switches it up and adds a new like weird variation on this, that time wheel, it really mucks up your day to day. So let's talk about this. <clears throat> hey, Roman, Batman, Three Jokers, number two. What's Jane like- and I have already talked a tiny bit about this. Can I hear your thoughts? You can. Which it's, a,
2: it's an exciting book. So now I'm also excited to talk about Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series too at the end of the podcast.
1: Robert Jordan and his son. Our patrons reached the new threshold. The stretch goal was to have us read a novel called The Wheel of Time.
0: Well, it's a series, but yeah, we read the first Mm. book for it. And then his son wrote the final two books. Mm. Like Dune. Like Dune. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is that content that keeps them coming back. <laughs> one of them said, like, Dune, and then the other waited a couple seconds and said, yeah. Um, okay, Roman, you're excited about this book. Can you tell me? Because you're also really excited about another book this week. I can't wait to get to you, but we'll get to that. We're going to talk about this one now.
2: Yeah, and, this is, and, actually, and, and unlike you guys, unlike you fellas, I just read this, Geez, I don't know, 40 minutes ago. It's the last book I read this oh week. Oh, my God. So it's so fresh
0: nice. in your craw.
2: It is. Ugh. It is. And, and I, I liked it. I think I liked the first one a tiny bit more yeah. just because in the middle of this one, we, we kind of find out why there's three Jokers. Um, And I was kind of like, Oh, I didn't want to find that out yet. <laughs> I should have saved that for the third issue or what is that reason? Okay, do we say there's going to be spoilers or going to be spoilers? Spoilers.
0: There's spoilers in this podcast about comics, 195 episodes in. And all yes. you new <laughs> listeners, we spoil those books. Thanks for tuning in for 195 is your first.
2: <clears throat> um, spoilers are that apparently Joker's experimenting with a batch of those chemicals like he first fell into to create more more little Jokers. He's taking people and turning them into Jokers.
0: And do we think that like a Joker existed and then used those chemicals to create other Jokers and that's what like the two of the three other Jokers are? That's what I think now.
1: That was I'm not sure. my read at all. Was was that hinted at or explicit anywhere or just you just no, guessing that... because of the the Joker zombies?
2: Yeah, that that's <clears throat> that's my take on it because okay. of the the bodies in the pool.
1: Well, and they do
0: reference wanting to make more Jokers and like adding add another one to their group. So like I, you know, I don't know, Jason.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And I don't yeah. disagree with Roman's read on it at all. That was kind of my read on it as well. But I. I was,
2: yeah. And I was hoping for something more mysterious, maybe, or or meta or something, which mm-hmm. maybe is still coming. But right now, I'm just thinking, oh, he's just creating more Joker, more copies of himself because it would be funny.
3: In so, his mind.
0: Yeah. I think I feel similarly or maybe differently but my interpretation of what you're saying is that like in the first ep issue i was a little bit disappointed in just how they were handling the conceit of there being three jokers and i was hoping myself like it was going to be more meta or more about like transitions in psychology and personality and damage and mm-hmm. and it has ended up being you know less that and more I don't like the idea that maybe there's like a Joker prime and he's created two other Jokers. So implicit in that is this hierarchy of Jokers and all of that is a, is a little bit, I'm not super, super interested in that. But then what happened while I was reading this issue was that I got really excited by the fact that while they're not doing with three Jokers, what I hoped that they were going to be doing it is a little bit more one dimensional or surface level. Just like I got this big pool and I'm dumping people in it that are becoming jokers. And I'm going to find the right person that's going to damage Bruce the most to be a joker. Like that's a, right. that's a fine, a fine story. And I dig that. But what really excited me was the, the realization that like, we haven't had a Batman story in quite a while. That's been like a sort of sort of prestige limited Batman series that really felt like it could change the character. Like we've had a lot of good Batman runs, like, Tom King's, you know, Scott Snyder has done miniseries. We've had Frank Miller ones, Batman Damned, (laughs) Um, even like the James Tinian one. But all of those operate sort of in that way where things can happen and things can change, but kind of at the end of the run, you're still ending where you began, you know, like not changing these characters. And I felt like while reading this issue, this type of book actually had the possibility to be introducing something to the story that would change things in a more long lasting way. And like, particularly I was excited about that in the form of Jason. I was like, it would be really cool because it's being written with like a more evil Jason and like Jason has been more damaged. And I really like him, even on our Batman and quarantine podcast, we talked kind of at length about the idea that Jason really works well as like Batman's greatest folly you know, his greatest failure. And, and in being a villain, yeah. he has something that nobody else could ever have. So I got really yeah. excited at the idea of like pushing that story forward.
2: Yeah. And that's my favorite thing in this issue. But Django, you said you had a slightly different read on the Jokers.
1: Uh, just that I'm tired of Joker zombies because they're in everything right now. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get the idea that, that these three Jokers had been manufactured for sure, I, I can I can see that. Reed looking at it again, um, but I don't know that I don't know that we have to give up hope on a more meta story. Um, I do like the idea of them trying to convert Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love the I, the the hope that we can whittle down the Batman family just a little bit because it's huge. Every time he has a family meeting it's like you're worried that the roof that they're standing on is going to cave in because there's like 40 of them Mm -hmm. and if we can turn one of them into a bad guy for sure forever and just take jason off the family map i'm 100 percent into that
0: and i that that excites me just that like okay they've got a high caliber artist they've been working on this book for a couple years and it's jeff johns who if they're going to let someone introduce something that will actually affect the status quo in a meaningful way it would be someone on like Jeff Johns's caliber.
1: Well, and the whole thing is yeah. sort of an homage to Killing Joke on some level, right? Like the, the design and the, the look of the book is a lot like Killing Joke, which originally was not supposed to be canon mm-hmm. and became canon pretty quickly. Uh, so I, I kind of wonder if they're doing this as a black label book with sort of uh, mushy costumes, like these costumes don't fit into any one DC timeline. Um, and I wonder if they're doing this as something outside of continuity, with the hopes that somebody will pick it up and integrate it. And after reading the multiverses end this week, I could see them having a good way to do that if this is well received.
0: But I think a, it. Sorry, Roman, please. But it isn't the idea of three
2: jokers? Isn't it the same three jokers idea that Scott Snyder introduced in canon?
1: That was Jeff Johns that introduced that. Oh, we did. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it was in Justice League.
0: Dark Side War, yeah. Oh. Yeah.
1: Interested in the role
0: of Killing Joke within this. hmm Because the first issue, it was, like, very on the nose, and this one did have fewer of, like, the transitional scenes that reference Killing Joke. I kind of, like, I wonder... You know, is it that this one didn't do it as well? Or do you think they're trying to ease off the gas of doing that? Like, will this book stand on its own? I think it would stand on its own a little bit less if the whole thing was an homage to Killing Joke, because then it doesn't quite, right. it it's, you know, it's not even putting itself on the pedestal of being that, you know, it's, it's saying I'm a reference to that. And I... Yeah, it doesn't bother me to not be as overtly Killing Joke love letter in this one because I, I like that the first one was so much that, but I, I'm excited for it to have its own voice.
1: Yeah, it's it's fine if it's not a direct Killing Joke ripoff the whole time. I mean, we still got the Joker with the crowbar, which looks like um, Death and the Family. We still got uh, some scenes that are swiped directly from the Killing Joke in the Batcave. Um, this issue somehow felt a little more rushed to me mm. in the in the <clears throat> the assembling of the parts um and i don't know if that was just me being a little bit grumpier when i read it or not but it it just didn't quite hit the the perfect note that that first one did for me
0: i wonder if this one was finished before COVID, and then issue three will be like gorgeous and labored over again because they're like, oh, shit we got this extra six months in our yeah. production, right? Like, that was rushed because it's like, all right, we do have a deadline we're going to have to get. Right. Um, yeah.
1: Did, did, okay. Joe Chill shows up. What do you guys I think? Was, of that? I was
0: just going to bring that up. Is
2: that, that surprised me because, and I don't know, in current canon, is he alive or dead?
1: I thought he was dead. Is he their killer in current canon? Because he wasn't until 89, right?
0: Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, I don't remember when he was introduced as a character, as, as a character. Um, but I feel like he's alive and in canon, and, you know, he's referenced in the Morrison run, and... Oh, yeah, yeah, he's in canon.
2: He's the one that killed Thomas and Martha, but Right. I thought he died decades ago.
0: <laughs> and that might, in fact, be true. I don't know. I do like the idea of if they're gonna make a Joker Joe Chill being at least he has the emotional kind of like Jason Todd he has the emotional relevance to be something that would have emotional weight to him. I'll look it up, yeah. Roman.
1: I, he was he was for his first appearance was det- uh, Detective Number Thirty Three, I guess maybe in 1989 in the in the Batman movie that was the, the first hint that he was the Joker. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. Joe Chill was the Joker.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because re- reading this, I was like, oh, they're referencing. <clears throat> Whatever story it was, and yeah, it was that movie, yeah, that, that said they were the same person.
0: Wow, yeah, but he was Joe, created before that. He was in the
1: in the thirties. Okay,
0: um, I'm just pulling it up here. Yeah, and Did I think you,
2: the I think that movie is the only place where they've ever said that Joe Chill was also the Joker. Yeah, or became the Joker.
1: Yeah, yeah, 1939 in November. <coughs> oh God, <laughs> I swallowed my spit wrong i got a white pubic here and i swallowed my spit wrong everything's (laughs) Uh, falling apart
0: roman it looks like in new 52 he was made undead not like a zombie but like uh Uh, bruce like hunted him down and held my gunpoint and then spared his life and then after sparing his life bruce wayne leaves gotham city and begins training to fight crime uh so i I guess that they didn't specialize uh a death for him in new 52 continuity oh okay The the thing was, I read the first half of the issue and liked it a lot. I stopped at the pool scene. I think everything in that story, the issue, kind of like was going up at that point. And then the maze, like all the
1: bodies look like you could draw a maze through it.
0: And I liked the art is again gorgeous. But then the thing, like then I got like two pages before like Barbara and Jason kissing, and I was like, are they gonna kiss? Are they gonna make like a romantic story between these two? And I don't love that. Um, I like the idea of yeah Babs and Dick being a thing I don't just like her being like the the consistent female character therefore like kind of the easily written love interest for any of the Batmen, um, yeah. even though you know but but whatever yeah. also I like sexual tension so yeah
2: which I, I mean I... <clears throat> oh yeah oh. Um, <laughs> well I really like the. but well, before I get to that yeah I agree I would have well, had the feeling it's like oh my god they're not gonna yep they just kissed but I do yeah. like the fact that the very next page you know Barbara's like sorry i shouldn't have done that we shouldn't have done that
0: it was yeah. only a moment
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah i thought it, i thought it was a good a good way to get out of that like build yeah. you up and then just kind of say oh never mind but i yeah. also
0: hope that in her brushing that off it does sort of continue to damage his ego you know, Mm -hmm. like he's already got this low. I'm I'm excited to see, I didn't think going into this story that the thing that would be the most interesting would be the downward spiral of Jason Todd. And that seems to be kind of like as much the theme of this story as anything. And I really like that. Yeah, I didn't either. And I like the fact that
2: they showed uh, a couple times in here, we see Batman, you know, when him and Barbara are rushing along the streets and and that great window sequence where um, you see how he knows and still feels that Jason is his greatest failure and earlier when he's goes to see when he starts speaking to Joe Chill in his cell how he like is so effective that he he starts to say his line and he has to clear his voice and say it in the yeah. Batman voice because at first he's just like you know speaking meekly and he's like oh fuck
0: yeah <laughs> you know I guess like it's hard to place but it feels like we've had these great runs of these characters, you know, like Tom King, Morrison, Scott Snyder. And with the exception of like maybe Morrison, just for me, like most of these, even like Tom King, this run I loved, it felt like people doing their take on Batman.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And Jeff Johns has <laughs> this ability that like when he is writing Batman, it feels kind of like you're listening to or reading the purest, most kind of like, canonical type of Batman. I don't know how Actual to describe Batman. that. It Yeah, it feels like less like he's doing his take on it and writing it in his voice. And he's like, he feels like the most deferential to who the character is, which is, I guess, I just like that. And I was just thinking like, you should write more Batman, man. Like you, mm, yeah. you, you, you feel like you are Batman when I, you know, when I'm reading those words as opposed to like, you know, love Tom King, but that was very like break your damn back. And like this stylized way of speaking and acting that um, felt like we're really in the can here. Maybe we've spent mm-hmm. too much time on, on this one already. Do you want have any closing thoughts on that one?
1: Just that it seems to be about children, the children of people that opens with the Joker and his family and his kid. And Jason is Bruce's kid and Joe Chill has his family and his, his son on the wall of his cell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't notice that until I was flipping through it again tonight, but there, there's a lot of uh, children relationships happening there, which is no, nothing new for Batman. But
0: yeah, I would give it, I'm going to go nine. Like nine, I don't know. Like, even though there's parts about it, even like the first issue was great and was sort of laden with just having all this expectation tied to it. But even when it's not like perfect, it still feels like you're reading one of the most high caliber comic books that's being released. So like nine, yeah. 9.5, it really like, it feels a tier above pretty much everything else that's coming out.
1: Listen, whatever you just gave it in the end, that's what I'm going to give it. No, Real good comic, nine, 9.5, you know, yeah. real good comic. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> nine
2: and a half. For me, too, it's, it's, you know, everything you guys said. Jeff, Jeff
1: Johns needs to write more comics. Yeah. I'm just excited for the sequel, The Fourth Joker. Oh, Django, we were sworn to secrecy about <laughs> it's that. It's going to be Jimmy T.I.V. Oh. and uh, oh. Doug Monkey.
0: Hey, speaking of Jimmy T.I.V., we've got a book of his next. And you had a lot of Jimmy T.I.V. books this week, Dude, Django. How would you I feel read... about that?
1: I think I read six or seven James Tynion the Fourth, Jimmy TIV. I was on a TIV drip.
0: Nice. <laughs> I was trying to get that. I was trying to start it for you. You know, I was trying I to. Get, I, I was trying to get a layup. You know, Listen, I just wanted my hand on the ball a little bit.
1: You knock them up, I'll set them down.
0: But that was all you actually. You you knocked those up and you set them down. <laughs> that one, <laughs> in uh, classic Django is... fashion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is Batman the Joker War um the first story in here is the joker talking to bane in the asylum did you did you read this roman no i didn't okay so it's it's joker talking to bane in arkham and he's super mad at bane for wasting the death of alfred and doing it in front of robin instead of batman (laughs) because he's like you have Batman only has one person who's as important to him as a parent and you killed him off screen for Batman. And I like that idea a lot, you know, like
2: that's interesting. Yeah.
1: And it it almost feels like a dig at Tom (laughs) King, you know, like the, the Joker's making fun of Bane for wasting Alfred's death. Maybe that's Jimmy T I V making fun of Tom King for wasting Alfred's death. Um, it's, it's drawn by Gilliam March and has Timo Mori on colors. It's, it's really, really nice. The next story is, um, John Ridley and Olivier Coipel. Olivier Coipel. Coipel. Oliver Coipel. Um, it's pretty good. It, it kind of sets us up for, um, Luke Fox taking over the Batman toll and, uh, you know, it's it's okay. It's got it's got like a nice scene where the cops show up and are getting ready to shoot the fox family because they're black and they uh unbelievably talk their way out of that one. Um <laughs> yeah. and then the the next story was uh Josh Williamson wrote it. It's about Batgirl and um spoiler just kind of pulling a, a heist and henchmeister. <laughs> is the guy that they're mm. stealing from uh and that in it like <laughs> will Elmer and I were talking about how that seems like a dig at jimmy t i v so I don't know if there's like this josh williamson versus jimmy t. i v versus Tom King thing going on, but uh henchmaster. What a fucking name. That's, I didn't my, that's under- my new favorite bat villain. <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand the end of this because it's all costume based. Like the, the grand reveal at the end is a costume thing. And I just don't notice costumes. Whose costume is it? Uh, Batgirl and spoiler have new costumes. They, they added the bat signal or the bat symbol to their costumes. Um, They've uh,
0: had both of those.
1: The bones on their know. chest. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I don't, I really couldn't tell you because I I don't think that they do. Or maybe they,
0: you know what? Maybe they were gone. I think that both of those characters left the family for a long time. Like Stephanie Brown had been taken out during the new 52. And then she was like, even in rebirth, she's only been slowly kind of phasing back in and started through being Tim's girlfriend. And then, Uh, Cassandra Kane like straight up, was not a part of the Bat Family. Like, tore it off her chest in Jimmy Tiv's run. Both of those symbols used to be on, but so maybe it's more of a statement of like, now we're back to being part of the Bat Family again.
1: Yeah, they wanted they wanted to steal a Bat signal, and they got to it, and it was all fucked up. So they put it on their costumes instead to inspire nice. hope. And then there's a pretty boring Ashes of out of Ashes of Eden story with poison ivy and probably the best thing in here is Jimmy Tiv drip with uh, James Stoko drawing uh, a clown hunter story and uh, I don't care about clown hunter but the art in this is just amazing it's it's like manga in the DC universe super violent uh, clown hunter doesn't mind killing some people with a batarang strapped to the end of a bat and uh, it's the first time I've been excited for that character
0: Jimmy Jimmy T I V drip makes me think of like that scene in The Sixth Sense where there's like the six dot the sick daughter that the mom is poisoning so that she'll continue to get sympathy from everybody. Mm-hmm. Like a Jimmy T I V drip is a is a solution that you're hooked up to to keep you alive, quote unquote, <laughs> but really it's just making you sicker and sicker. Like you know, well, like oh god, I had six Jimmy T I V books I had to read this week to stay alive, but I think they're the thing that's killing my <laughs> love of comics. <laughs>
1: He, Not uh, you, me. He is is definitely in a third of the books that we're talking about tonight, give or take. Um, I would give this one a seven and a half. I don't think it's necessary, but there were two really good stories in there. Jeff, I think you should read the first and the last. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I you can you can skip most of the middle stuff, um, but the first one and the last one are, are top notch. Hey, I want to talk about
0: another book that I read this week, which is Department of Truth by Jimmy Tiv. Oh, we're I on thought a it was Tiv drip really good um art by martin simmons letter aditya bidikar uh dylan todd designer um like a phoenix from the ashes jimmy tiv he's actually produced a comic book that i liked a lot this one um has really interesting art it's like super scratchy. It looks like sort of Ben Templesmith, if you know who that mm-hmm. artist is, like kind of like chunky angular faces. But more than anything, it's interesting by how much like scribbly line and color there is uh, obfuscating the images. Like it's, you know, to quote Justin in the garden, at times it's less of a place or a person and more of a feeling. Yeah. But it's, you're being introduced to this person who sort of spends a lot of time researching people who are into conspiracies and why they're into conspiracies. He's an and
1: FBI teacher in Quantico. Yep,
0: yep, yep, FBI teacher. Mm-hmm. And he ends up going to like a flat earth rally that I feel like scenes were taken from that all gas, no breaks flat earth <laughs> video that we've watched. Like <laughs> That's the exactly desks what I was and the books, it looks like the people, I'm like, I, I'm not convinced they didn't use that as artistic reference for that. <laughs> um, and for, some, the, for one reason, I don't fully get people in charge of this organization were like hey we know who you are like we've wanted you to join us you should like do you believe and he's like yeah i believe and they're like okay cool come on this airplane with us and a bunch of the high-ranking people in this group get on this airplane to go see the edge of the flat earth and Mm -hmm. they get to the wall at the end which is not exactly how i've pictured flat earths going but apparently there's a big wall at the end And the whole thing is sort of narrated in this scene after that, where he's talking to different, a different part of the government. And they're asking about what he's been on. What did he see? And he explains all that to them. And then it is unveiled that the person he's been talking to is Lee Harvey Oswald,
1: which I fucking loved.
0: I did too. And I loved like the beginning of it when they were talking about Lee, like talk this, you know, basically the old man equivalent of who Lee Harvey Oswald becomes is talking to a young Lee right after the Kennedy assassination and kind of like, shit's gonna go down you remember what you've been told and he's like yep up is up is down down is up and then we jumped to the the future and i i really liked it all i i liked liked it all until and i didn't dislike but i liked his explanation for what was going on less and his explanation is that well yeah in this reality reality is such that like if enough people believe in something it becomes true And so we are an organization that is like, we find out that this dude is being recruited to be part of this organization where when people realize that certain things that they can create certain things as real, that's dangerous. So they have to convince these people that they're conspiracy theories, which introduces a sliver of doubt to these people. And it prevents them from being able to create these realities.
1: I really liked that aspect of it. I, I thought... So the first thing I thought when when we were revealed that that's that if enough people believe in something, it can become reality was I prefer this version of it over the repeating theme of Neil Gaiman stories where gods die when enough people stop believing in them. Mm -hmm. And I really like the idea that if you can convince enough people that um, this insane theory is real, like flat earth then it actually can become physically real uh i i enjoyed that kind of reversal of the story that we know from all these other older comics you know
0: i feel like that's a that element is one that i see a lot and that's the one that's kind of a bummer well yeah i was just i was not super impressed with it because that's it's just kind of an extension of the idea of like the winners write the history of things or is a lie a lie if you can convince enough people that it's real. You know, it's just this idea of what is truth, if not the thing that people believe. So if enough people believe something, it's created as real. And this is just like a real physical instance of that. Right. And And that's what
1: I like about it. Yeah. This guy who didn't believe it was brought to the edge of the earth. Yeah. And shown that it existed. And then the woman who recruited him kills all those guys. Yeah, uh, and and just having the like these. This is obviously the Koch brothers, right? Uh, that that are yeah. the rich people behind the whole. Conspiracy. I don't know who the Koch brothers are. Oh, buddy, they control yeah. everything you do. Oh, you bummer, know. deal. They they control you not on Facebook even.
0: Man, that is that is a bummer. I liked all of it, but I guess I just would have liked not having a a like a an answer revealed in the first issue i, I liked right. i liked the whole issue leading up to like well what is going on is this real what did he see he saw a wall and i, I liked the idea of you know there being something much larger out there but i, I you know it's still a cool idea it's just one that r- rattles around my head a lot and it's even kind of depressingly salient in my mind with the sort of like, borderline authoritarian world that we live in where right. we're just saying things are true that aren't true and lying and Roman, what did you think about it? You're a big conspiracy I, hound out there, making lots of them.
2: I am. i You know, I've been. I've been uh, communicating with Neil Adams all about the flat Earth stuff, and, and he's got <laughs> me convinced. Um, I really like this issue, and it was interesting because I didn't. I didn't come away from it thinking that um, if you convince enough people of some crazy ass story, that it'll become real when when they when the flat earthers fly him to is apparently the edge of the world and they see that wall, which at first I was confused. I wasn't sure if it was an actual vertical wall or if that was just the edge of the world. It was, world. A, it was a confusing plane,
1: double page. Yeah. Cause
2: if it was, if it was just the edge, why is the plane heading straight down toward the ground? <laughs> that was but, the uh, only place that the art I think did yeah. a disservice to the story. Totally yeah. agree. But it was pretty. And, it, and actually, it made, and the first thing it made me think of was uh, H.P. Lovecraft story at the Mountains of Madness, mm-hmm. um, which which then made made me also think, oh, well, we still don't know if that's reality because he could have best our protagonists. He could have just been drugged or something. And, and that occurred to me, yeah. Yeah, he's imagined this and, you know, you don't actually convince people that something's real. You convince them that they think it's real, but it's still not real, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> I really liked it a lot. Um, um, it's It's so... Well, I guess you can say it's topical at any point in, in history, but this is one of those points right now where it's particularly topical.
0: It feels, yeah, very topical. And I, I'm very into that. And if what I've said felt at all disparaging, I didn't mean that at all. I, I just love stories that make me start thinking about what is going on. Mm-hmm. And I love that feeling more than I like having an answer of what is actually going on. And yeah. this story did a great job of making me answer, start posing all of these questions to myself and then gave me kind of a definitive answer about things-ish by the end of well, the issue. And, and
1: hopefully we get more more mystery. Uh, I mean, I want to know how Lee Harvey Oswald is still around. I want to know how this all ties back to the Kennedy assassination because I yeah. love the Kennedy assassination.
0: And you know what? I think that all of that poses enough questions and is interesting enough that like it's not like they gave the farm away by saying here's one mechanism for how the story is working right. um it, it's just yeah uh like i would give it like a nine i'm you know like we were talking earlier that when this book came out and i think jango you were the one who was like do you like, think what is a jimmy tiv book that you like or maybe justin posed it because like we're <laughs> sorting through a lot of books every week a lot <laughs> of them are his books and i was like we started trying to list all of the books and I was like, oh my God, like, I don't actually think I like any of them. Like there's ones that I'm reading, but like, I don't think I like, I can't think of his whole body of work if there's a book where I'm like, oh yeah, I want a hardcover of that.
1: The All Ages Wind was my favorite until I read this one. And that like, that is so out of character for me. I don't love it, but it's pretty good.
0: So I would give this a nine. What would you guys give it?
1: I'd give this a nine and a half. I think it would have been a solid ten if I wasn't super confused by that one two page spread, I and see, I don't know I, how they could have drawn it better. Yeah, um, but it it took me way out of the story trying to puzzle over it. And I think that we need to give uh, mad props to Aditya Bigdekar. Yeah, the lettering um, and the
0: the speech bubbles themselves—they're
1: amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and having a designer on this book. Uh, And any book that has a designer listed is probably going to get an extra two points for me. We just
0: gave a Jimmy T.I.V. book a 9, (laughs) a 9.5, and a 9.5. Listen, this whole week kind of started and ended with us taking a journey uh, through the life of Shang-Chi by Jean Luen Yang and Dyke Run uh, on art. And Philip Tan, okay, okay. I, okay, just a second. Sorry. I'm excited to talk about this, but I felt like there were some art inconsistencies in it, and I even thought it felt like there was two artists, and then it seemed like there was only one listed, but now I'm seeing Philip Tan, and he did the art in that Grant Morrison Batman arc in Batman and yeah. Robin, yeah. and there's just like two very distinct styles in this, I feel like. Okay, yeah. There's artist and then flashback artist, and the flashback uh, artist is amazing. Now and which then one the other the- stuff is fine. Now, which one was the flashback artist? That is, wait, that one says Philip Tan, oh. which surprises me. But like the first five pages, like the first six pages or so, like sketchy, the coloring is great, The like the lighting is great. And then after that, all the current day stuff, like when we're actually hanging out with Shang-Chi and stuff has a real different, just like generally Marvel house style looking art.
2: Yeah, I just thought the art was, you know, it was, it was perfectly acceptable.
0: Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the, the first like five or six pages is really nice. It reminds me of like Jerome Opeña, like it's kind of sketchy. Like you can see pencil lines in it almost um, really like that. Sorry. That was just a, uh, cause I read the credits. I saw that. Uh, Roman, will you tell us all about Shang Chi and the deadly hands of Kung Fu and like what we just read? Sure. Sure. Sorry. I'm trying to, my only
2: issue with Department of Truth
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm
2: an Alice Cooper fan. He had a he had a song in the seventies called Department of Youth. And every so- time I see that cover or when I was reading the issue and they say the name of the actual department, I would hear his song in my head and it has nothing to do with conspiracies or anything. So
0: kept throwing surprised me. I'm surprised you didn't sing it on Tuesday when we were all in there. It was
2: in my head and I, I couldn't other
0: that's than the It's weird that you created a filter because you usually sing yeah. anything that's in your head when a
2: book yeah. comes out.
1: Erotic, <laughs> Erotic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: put your hands all over my body. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. He's uh he's the son of Fu Manchu except they can never they can't use that name in Marvel Comics because they it's no longer public domain I guess or somebody else has the rights right now.
1: It's um, the Mustache Company.
0: The
2: Mustache mm. Company. The Coke yeah. Brothers
1: Mustache Co. <laughs> um
2: but he rebelled against his evil old dad and struck out on his own um originally with a a British group, part of MI6, I think it was, um, and had all sorts of cool adventures in the 70s in Master of Kung Fu by Doug Mullinsch, and I forget the artist's name now. Paul Glacey. Really,
1: yeah,
2: Paul Glacey. Yeah, it was a great series. It was very, very, Shang-Chi was a very meditative, kind of philosophical character. I mean, also action character, because he is a master of various martial arts. Um, and ever since that series ended, which at the end of it, he like went off and retired and from like an action life and became a fisherman somewhere in some islands off China. But then Marvel eventually brought him back, and I I don't I don't feel he's ever been as good since that original
0: series. But you, original
3: what, what? but you Rainbow. liked the original one
2: too. What what?
3: But you liked the
0: original one.
2: What's that, that, is, about rambo? Rambo, that rambo, is what rambo, rambo
0: did rambo, rambo. Yeah, yeah 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 first blood rambo born to kill all that stuff um, yeah and,
2: and but just like those the first one is the best movie and the rest are like eh. yeah
0: that's true um what did i say you liked that first one like you do like that original one i think that's what i said like the, the first rambo movie no fuck that was a waste of everyone's time <laughs>
2: Wait, what are we talking about? What first one?
0: Shang-Chi, the book that we're talking about. This like, the, the, issue? The, the number one issue? Okay, well, remember how you said, and I just don't feel like it was ever good after that first one? <laughs> but you liked that first one oh, a lot.
2: Sorry, sorry. I meant that first one as in the that, first Master Kung Fu series.
0: Okay, because I've heard you talk about this character a lot over the yeah. years. Yeah. And so to have it be a character that is sort of living in the shadow of this first thing that you like a lot kind of surprises me. I would have thought that it's maybe been good I, for a long time. N-
2: no, I love the character. <laughs> no, it hasn't. <laughs> I, I love the character, but I don't feel he's been used well. And I'm excited for this series um, because we have a, a proven good writer who happens to be Chinese American writing mm-hmm. him. Um, and this issue, I was like, oh, it's all right. I was, there was a few things that he was a little, uh, Chong-Chi was a little too, um, spoke to i think he was his manner was a little too casual mm-hmm. and i don't know maybe it's a stereotype maybe maybe it's a stereotype but i like his more reserved meditative philosophical nature in the original series
0: well i, I really know. liked and i bet this is what jango was just about it to is. say
1: it is i can tell i can my brain and we've got brain. a we've got a yeah. similar
0: brain <laughs> my favorite part of the issue was that conversation where he is having it with um liko Lady- yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, was it Lady Wang's daughter?
2: Um, it's they were once briefly, I think, romantically involved back in the original series.
0: Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. I, he has two conversations with women in this issue. And I just confused them. But yes, exactly. Her. Um, I I really liked because Jean Luen Yang is a Chinese American. He. And I don't I don't believe English was his first language. I think that like with the like Superman smashes the clan and those write-ups at the end, I feel like the Mm sort of child's Mm -hmm. experience in that is his. So I I think that he I think English is his second language, but the distinction and the usage of comic book like greater than less than signs to delineate that a speech bubble is in a different language is used really well here in a way that I've never seen. And we have two characters who can both speak Chinese and English, but Shang-Chi is way better at speaking English than she is, is good at speaking Chinese. Mm -hmm. And the way that he writes these bubbles is that when she, who her first language is English is trying to speak Chinese, it's written as an English person who wouldn't be able to speak Chinese very well. And Shang-Chi his when he's speaking in Chinese it's written different than his English writing which most writers don't do that it's just like translated from Cantonese or whatever and it's the same thing so I thought that that like his ability to write the different ways that people would be trying to speak in a language foreign or native to them was really impressive and then part of that conversation when she says like well why do you talk like that and he he says that like yeah I just sort of speak philosophically and meditatively because I, I realized that when I spoke like that sort of confirmation bias or stereotype bias myself it caused people to look at me instead of through me and i think that that is like that was that conversation that it contained both of those aspects of, of i w- that was what really impressed me up until that point i was like "Ooh, i don't know these characters or this world or this lineage and i don't know if i care and i didn't bring enough energy with me right now to like you know i was feeling like django 10 of swords about it i was like mm-hmm if this was Hickman, I would I would say, all right, I'll muster the energy to like plot out this family lineage that you're telling me right now, but you're not Hickman. So I will do my best, but I'll do it casually. And I, you know, I, I don't know if it was enough for me. I don't know if I had enough energy rather to like fully plot out and understand all of the character motivations that I do think were present there.
1: I grew up at a time where karate and ninjas were getting really cool. So like, Karate Kid was huge and American Ninja three was a movie that we watched not just because it has boobs in a shower scene, Ooh. but also cause it's ninjas. Right. And I never ever was able to actually carry any, any martial arts love with me. Um, so I read this because it was Jean Yang and because everybody and their mom wanted a copy of it this week. And, and no one, pre-ordered it. Nobody pre-ordered it. So <laughs> I knew we were going to need to read it and get it back to the store. I like Gene Yang a lot. I read the whole thing. I was left pretty cold. I, I appreciated the things that you pointed out there, Jeff. And believe it or not, I did notice them. Uh, which is oh, I know you did. For me. But uh, yeah, I I just don't care for kicking and punching in comics as like, the main thing rust
0: dude i every everything you said right there exact same for me i loved three ninjas i loved like all these karate movies when i was a kid none of it has carried forward with me like i, yeah. I, I anime i still love like dragon ball z and types of things where fighting is an element of it but in terms of like karate ethos and mythos i i don't love it um, I'm interested in, in watching those, like Riza talking about Chinese cinema movies Roman with you, but primarily yeah. because I'm very interested what Riza or musicians who've been right. influenced have to say about it. Um, but as a genre, it's not a thing that I'm particularly drawn to or anything.
1: Yeah, except firepower. Like, love it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I love that you were reading it, thinking, "Well, I'm going to keep reading because I love the character." Because I was reading, I was like, well, "I'm going to read this issue because I fucking love Roman." <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and but I was uh, thinking, I
2: like, I like Gene Yang. Yeah. yeah and and, I, and yeah and I trust the writer and I did like that what you said Jeff about about the language though a little bit. I was like, well, he didn't just talk that way. He in the old series there was lots of big yellow captions where he was like kind of internal monologue. That was like the biggest thing of the old series for its for its story. I, I think he chi writes that way and, and seemed to think that way.
0: And it makes sense that he did that back then because a lot of the poignant narration in this is done that way. And now yeah. you're saying that makes sense, but it doesn't, there's not like a clear language barrier in the way that he speaks with that, or not barrier, but a language gap between how he speaks in that and then colloquially. Um, I, I could was see, glad. sorry. Oh, I, I,
2: I was just gonna say, I was glad to see uh, Liko Wu show up again because I was like, I oh, was
0: too. I Love didn't expect the any, of the
2: old, all, <laughs> any of the old characters to show up in the first issue. Yeah. I,
1: yeah. Lady Wang was my favorite part.
0: Yeah, there were scenes just like in that bakery where it was fun. I, I was sort of like you know, I didn't love even though I liked the art at the beginning, the whole like the temple and the families and there's the the, the finger of the fist and the finger of the shovel or I don't know. the the whole like <laughs> hierarchy of the training. I don't know. I'm sorry if that sounded really close-minded, no. but it it just it was a little like okay, uh, this is like an anime series I've seen and that part doesn't interest me, but
2: yeah, and it's typical from like movies like the 36th Chamber and Return of the to the Thirty Six Chamber and all those.
1: So yeah. Roman, on a on a scale of zero to ten, let's let's say zero to a hundred and then divide it by ten. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what do you give it? Oh man,
2: math! I don't know what to give it. You now, just do one, one to a hundred and then I'll do the division. <laughs> okay, one to, 100. one to a hundred. One to a hundred. Okay, uh, granular.
3: granular
0: forty. Okay, and you know what that is? That's a 4 out of 10. Oh. <laughs> wow, you
2: really don't know the division. Nope, I do not. Um, <laughs> oh, no, in our normal grading scale, I would give it a 7.5. Okay. 75.
0: So, 75 out of 100. Um, <clears throat> okay, listen. i give we'll it a
1: 65.
0: To... Oh, yeah, I forgot that I needed to say it. Yeah, um. <laughs> I'm going to give it a seven. I think 6.5 is a a good call. I'm going to give it a seven just for that scene. He did a thing with dialogue boxes and Mm. language parentheses in comics that I've never seen done before. And I don't think someone who only speaks one language would have had the ability to think, have that clarity of thought to write that into a story. So He he consistently proves a, a unique writing ability. I just got to quickly say everyone Savage Avengers number 12 has one of the burliest Marvel sex scenes I've ever seen. There is a scene <laughs> of Doctor Strange and Elektra having sex while floating and yeah. I thought that's not in most books. So, I've
1: sex with Doctor Strange.
0: I do too. Uh, I just I I just needed to mention I opened that I was like stunned. I was like they're just going full high octane on this so that that was a thing that happened in that book if you're looking for your marvel character yeah, and the issue is awesome
2: yeah yeah that was great and i love the look on dr strange's face too yeah so how the
1: fuck am i 12 issues into a conan comic and an avengers comic and a dr strange comic all at the same time and i can't wait (laughs) and a jerry duggan comic yeah which is surprising for me top of my fucking pile every week
0: yeah it's it's so good um since in the interest of time one to ten me boys i'm gonna give that issue um it was sort of the start of a new arc so it had some slow moments but it also had some big moments i'm gonna go 8.5 i love that book
1: i'm gonna give it the ocho
2: i'm gonna give an eight for all those reasons and the fact that son of satan now looks like uh that that scottish wrestler uh you know he's in the duo right exactly yeah you know
0: um, yeah um you know there's a couple there's there's the bar, Cesar- so there's the cesaro bar, yeah. and seamus and then there's seamus, the one okay, cool. um okay we did that great quickly Django. jeffrey ten of swords x factor <laughs> number four ten of swords chapter what? there was a name for this
1: where you were going to explain it to me
0: no, nope, there was just Django's cool under-indie hour thing, which I hope you brought content for because oh. that's a fixed part of this.
1: I did. I, I guess I was going to name this um, Snooze Time for Raw Daddy.
0: Yeah, I love it. Okay, but I'm talking right <laughs> at you, so keep your eyes open. This isn't like recording a podcast with Roman. Um, what? Okay. <laughs> now, yeah, actually, since we've been doing Zoom calls, Roman has not fallen asleep while recording podcasts. It's almost a thing of miraculous because,
2: beauty. because during quarantine, I'm actually getting enough sleep. <laughs>
0: Okay, so you remember everything that happened before. The ambush in other world. Yeah <laughs> Saturnine lady says, like, you can Araco people, you can only go destroy Krakoa and use my gate if you have a tournament with Krakoa here. And you guys all have to go get these swords. I want to be clear. Battle. I don't like that. I don't like that. I I don't like that. That's been used in lots of fiction. I think it's easy, low-hanging fruit. It's like, hey. How about take seven issues out of this 22-chapter story, make it 15 chapters, and don't do a whole thing where everyone has to go out and find swords and then come back and have a battle just so that they can use a gate. Like, But that, is that
1: what they do in this issue? But we get ready for that in this issue. Oh, yeah. like, oh. we're, not, we're not like... It's, it's, the, it's not even
0: – it's 22 yeah. chapters. Yeah, we dude. don't want to
1: hurry. We got 22. <laughs> to yeah. Don't forget yeah. your toothbrush. Exactly. To, uh, um, get, get an extra pair of underwear because you we, never know.
0: The crew <laughs> that got ambushed brings their wounded home to Kokoa. Apocalypse is wrecked. Uh, Rock Slide, that rocky person, also wrecked. Um, He's Richter, really wrecked. Yeah, Richter, Rex. So they're like, okay, cool. Well, listen, Apocalypse, you hang out, but we're going to do that thing where we bring people back from the dead like we do on Krakoa. So they do that, and they try to bring Rock Slide back, but he's, like, wrong. He's broken. His, it's hmm. not the Rock Slide that we know. And ultimately. Slide. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> ultimately, what we learn, and the really key revelation in this issue, is that if you're a mutant and you die in Otherworld, where this tournament is supposed to happen because other world is this spot that acts as the area between 10 worlds you know we just read it last time just like this pinnacle where they live and they're hanging at. it's the hub exactly um if you die there and then you're trying to be regenerated it's like it's like a data error on a computer because where you died Who you are, sorry, Roman, actually, if you want to do
2: it. It's the nexus of all realities, or at least one of them besides the one in the Everglades. Um, So it apparently draws bits of all the rock slides from the different realities and resurrects them in the one rock slide there on Krakoa.
0: So like our rock slide is the rock slide behind one of ten doors in Otherworld. Mm -hmm. And if you die in Otherworld and you're going to be regenerated, it's going to bring a bit of the rock slide in all of those ten doors back. So it actually says, if you die in other world, you can't be regenerated. It's gonna bring back somebody who is like a corrupted data file of bits of a bunch of other different world universe versions of that person. So what we've done here is created a mechanic where if you die in other world, you can't be regenerated. It's just creating a way of saying, hey, the regeneration thing doesn't work the way that we want it to.
1: So it corrupts the backup? That Charles has on our Earth?
0: It corrupts the five backups that Charles has on our Earth. That's...
1: Okay. Um, Continue. It, it, it like corrupts
0: it 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 corrupts it when he tries to regenerate it. And they like have created the husk for it. Because they create a husk and then they load a, a consciousness into it. It didn't happen as he died. It happened when they tried to do it. So it was like importing a data file into Moby that would have then corrupted a, a previous save file of Moby.
1: Yeah, it, it, it doesn't work as a computer analogy if something that happened after this separated backup can fuck with the separated backup. It's basically but, saying
0: that it does have the ability to fuck with the separated backup, which right. doesn't work just, like computers, just, but this isn't a computer.
1: Right. Yeah, it just it just means that I have to take my entire analogy for the way the X Men back themselves up and regenerate and throw it out the window, and uh, it's it's a quantum computer. It's a quantum com- Django. If we yeah. could have just said that in House and
0: Powers, he, he could have just said it's a quantum computer, and we wouldn't yeah. have had to have a whole issue about it. Because Rockslide is damaged goods. Polaris, who is an X Men, who's Magneto's daughter, who apparently can like has earth shifting abilities she's like oh man i was mourning rockslide's dead body and i created a gate through the sacrifice of his body that has like 10 spots for 10 people with 10 swords to stand on it and magic shows up my fucking new favorite x-men for the last like year and she like puts her dope ass sword down on it and uh illuminates one of those things Also, Polaris had, while she was in Otherworld, got this, like, prophecy, and it spits out a bunch of prophecy junk about probably where all these Ten Swords are. The downside of this series and this crossover is that each of the chapters is written by the writer of the book that it's crossing over in, and every writer is going to have different strengths and weaknesses. And in that, it had the strength of Leah Williams, who you all know, just a fan of the art, like the craft, what they bring to the table. It's astounding.
1: And I love you.
0: I loved the art because it wasn't David Baldion doing the style that he's been doing. It was somebody doing a similar style. But it's it didn't have parts of the X-Men creation issue that I love. The things I loved about that weren't in this. And it had aspects of Leah William that I like in this that Hickman doesn't have. But it's going to be um, uh, a thematic, a stylistic hodgepodge when it's all done. Mm-hmm. And that's how X-Men crossovers have been done. So take that for what it's worth. But... Um, not a ton happens in here, except for introducing the the mechanic that dying in other world is problematic. We've that's got huge. a gate. Yeah, it is. We've got a gate. The problem with that is that Hickman was like, "Well, yeah, we just don't want stories to be rooted around death meaning something. So killing, you know, like killing characters meant something. We don't want that to be that's cheap storytelling." And it's like, "Well, within a year, we're already creating a mechanism for death to mean something again." So it's yeah,
1: I, it's it it almost feels like um, he's playing Calvin Ball. With these rules, it's like okay, our all right, all right, new rule. Yeah, and if you're in other world, all well, nothing counts.
0: And it feels to me like that is putting too many cooks in the kitchen. Like I don't think mm-hmm. that a bunch of different people should be writing an event together. I think Hickman should have written this event, and he should have said in this issue this happens and this happens. And instead, it feels like a bunch of people created these different things. And
1: he and, may have, and for that, yeah, you know. for
0: sure, for sure. Um, but like there are elements that feel very like teeny howard
1: mm-hmm.
0: there are elements that feel very like leah williams there are elements that you know and I, as it I'll you know go. crosses into marauders i'm sure it's gonna, that's gonna happen so um yeah i don't know i give this one a seven seven there we are that's that that's your ten of swords chapter two of 22 the chapter book that we learned today could have probably been five chapters shorter because we don't need a dumb tournament to determine that's like the classic anime, just like, whoa, like Dragon Ball Z does it all the time. It's like, have a tournament to decide this thing. It's like, can we, can we do something else? Can we not spend Listen, six minutes prepping for a tournament?
1: Rod Daddy's got to catch his Z's sometime, but yeah, right. I, <laughs> yeah. I caught my Z's. I counted my white pubic hairs, and uh, now it's time to keep moving. What I've this. always
0: been really impressed with is that you shave all of the pubic hair except for the white ones. Roman, what was your score? Yeah,
2: yeah but then he leaves them on the keyboard at work. It's true. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll, give it, I'll give it a 6.5. My favorite thing in the issue was actually the two text pages about the floating kingdom of Roma Regina and the Holy Republic of Fae because it involved Mer- Merlin and his daughter.
0: I agree, but I also was like, it didn't tie in specifically what was happening oh, in no, the issue. Oh, no, not at all. And no. I was like, are we about to get 10 full text pages explaining the history of all these different worlds? Because, like, that sucks. I think so. And I they only did two, but I think over the next five, we're mm-hmm. going to get 10. and oh, yeah. um.
1: It sounds like that thing that you described with the 10 sword holders sounds mm-hmm. like uh, the character choosing section of a video game. Yeah. And when I run into that on a video game, I just turn the machine off and go do anything else because just I give me the, hate it.
0: Just give me the one character and let me play the game.
1: Spy Hunter didn't need two cars. Fuck yeah. y'all.
0: Yeah, so um, that's that. Um, and... And I think that we should call our buddy Andrew because we have the Hulk, the Threshing Place. But I have a feeling that he probably read that book.
1: We got the Threshing Place. We got, sure the we got the Multiverse. We got Wind. Like I was just gonna, you know, keep the Jimmy TIV going. I actually really enjoyed the two issues that I read. I, no, I, I didn't mean to not. Right now while yeah, we yeah. Wait for Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Wind number four, I read three and four together. It's an all ages book, and it's a, a rollicking adventure. I like I dropped off because I always think I don't like kids books and you know sometimes I'm wrong even I'm wrong sometimes you like kids books I do you... like some kids books yeah like
0: I like burps and think...
1: farts I like fucking I like guts and I like Ew, kids books. god
0: I think it's an endearing part about you like <laughs> you know you like Superman smashes the clan. Oh God, uh, it was so Quinn, good! Breaking oh, Glass.
1: God, it was so
0: good. And some of those other, like you like you've had kids, you like stories about kids. Uh, yeah. it, that is a part of my understanding of Django. I feel oh, like I'm less surprised by it than you are.
1: It might be, it might be a little bit of that. It might also be that I am such a, a hassled, rushed comic book reader that I'm not afraid to just read a kid's book and enjoy it. Because it's so much easier to read and digest. So, what do you give
0: wind for?
1: <laughs> we give wind for a seven and a half. Um, I think anybody who's, who doesn't hate kids' books and doesn't hate good adventures should probably grab the trade when it comes out or the issues. We probably have most of the issues. I think we do. And they're, they're like 400 pages each. We got in the midst of
0: that, Andrew Carlson, a friend of the show, showed up. Andrew, hello. Awesome. Hello.
3: How are you? Pretty good. How are you guys?
0: Good, buddy. Thanks for staying up late to hang out with us for a minute.
1: Not
3: that late. I'm watching Lovecraft
1: Country.
0: Oh. Oh,
1: that's out tonight. It's Sunday night for all you listeners. Um, Which is a day
0: later than we normally record this. Hey, Andrew, um, we haven't talked yet about Immortal Hulk, the Threshing Place, but we thought maybe there's a chance you have also read it.
3: I have read it.
0: Did you like it?
3: I did like it quite a bit. Al Ewing up.
0: and uh, Mike Del Mundo on the Immortal Hulk. Sorry, not Al Ewing. Jeff Lemire, rather. Oh, I'm just Jeff so used Lemire, to associating Even better. It. Um, this was a rad one shot and a series of one shots that have been coming out uh, related to the Immortal Hulk. The next one is King of King and Black. Um, that I thought this was a really great issue, just for like starting an idea of a series of one-shots about the Hulk told from different creators, but under this umbrella of what Al Ewing has been working on. And I think it's so cool that we have a definitive sort of voice for Hulk mythos right now. Mm-hmm. And other people can be taking a turn in it. But more than anything, we've been talking about Mike Del Mundo on this podcast for quite a while. And early on, I, I sort of talked about how much, like when he was doing Thor, when he did Doctor Strange, in how much in Avengers yeah, how much I like his art, but he had a lot of like unfinished backgrounds and he felt kind of like I was excited to see him progressing in his career. And this was the first time where I was like, you're there. Like the backgrounds are all finished. The colors are all great. Like I was just so impressed by Mike Del Mundo's art here. He, I feel like he's just totally leveled up since the last time I checked in on him.
1: So this is Mike Del Mundo and Marcos D'Alfonso on colors. Oh. And some of the backgrounds could just be color trickery.
0: You're and right. if that's
1: the case, I hope those two never get a divorce because yeah. it's really, really, really well done. Um, it felt a little bit like painted Kyle Baker to me in certain points, like mm. the super cartoony big, big mouths and kind of grotesque cops. And um,
0: yeah, like. Kyle Baker hates cops.
1: <laughs> well, no, but just like like the way that the cartooning that happens in the storytelling of the art is was the Kyle Baker part for me. Oh, okay. Like like super exaggerated, but also you look at it and you're like, that's totally realistic that that guy's mouth would be twice the size of his arm.
0: Yeah. So Andrew and Roman are like Al Ewing, Immortal Hulk, actual like every issue readers. Mm-hmm. Can you guys talk to
3: us blood wall buddies about this?
1: blood wall (laughs) we have a guess i didn't
3: love the art as much there were a couple parts um the grass in a couple parts uh i just i don't i don't i'm not a big fan of like hyper realistic art all the time um and the grass at times just literally looked like a picture of grass and um I couldn't. It. I really couldn't get over that. At oh, points. you're right. There's that
0: one page that just looks like a straight up picture of grass. That's the yeah. advantage
1: of needing glasses <laughs> and not wearing them when you read your comics.
3: <laughs> but overall, I mean, the panel layouts. I love that they kept with like the Bennett style of tilting the panels when he crashes into places. That's one of my favorite parts.
1: The cop or the the when, when he's in the jail and he transforms. It's so. Gross and perfect, and I was
0: glad that it was like his take on the Bennett stuff, like hyper grotesque, but not. This is not how we've seen. It. He's not trying to do that. This is just his own take on like a horribly painful transit transition scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Roman, where is, were you? Yeah, get
2: me, get me. This is a. Well, it's interesting because this is, and I haven't been a big fan of Del Mundo. Until this issue. I, I mean, this is my favorite thing that he's ever drawn.
3: <laughs> yeah, me too. Um,
2: and I like the... It, and I just dug the fact at the beginning, it's like classic Bruce Banner, you know, wandering around America. Um, you don't know where he is or anything, and, and which he doesn't really do anymore, but I like the fact he's kind of doing it here.
0: And the final page of it made me think of the whole TV show, like him walking off lonely with a yeah. backpack, right? I heard the, that song.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Lone Ranger theme song?
0: The song that plays in the sad <laughs> Lou Ferrigno show when he's walking off. Yeah, because
2: he, does, he doesn't know, need to be doing that. and We got that woman back at the base that can teleport people right back to the base. But I like that they don't
0: do that here. And I guess I really liked that as well, just that we've had the Immortal Hulk storyline is this very, like, it's a thing. People don't mm-hmm. get in the middle of that right now. Like, this is a thing yeah. that's happening. But we found a way to use that as a sort of You know like federalism the government you know like that's happening but then we've got like within that we can have other people write stories where like there is room for him to just be wandering around solving some problems related to this green door and gamma poisoning and
1: basically
2: and thrones and and the horror aspect is i mean when he pops that one guy's
3: head off oh yeah (laughs) so is hulk just murdering people He's, he's kind of <laughs> cool with it. I mean, there was several parts around like the late 20s of the issues where he was just like, yeah, humans are kind of the worst, whatever. <laughs> In
0: those first like 22, he murders people a couple times.
3: Um, this issue also reminded me of a lot of the earlier Immortal Hulk stuff where he was just wandering around into towns and ran into like weird gamma irradiated people that he couldn't explain.
0: I I totally agree. It had me thinking about like how I think that the popularity of this book Immortal Hulk as it was coming out allowed the story to grow and become something different and it made me think like what was Al Ewing's original idea for Immortal Hulk because those first four or five issues are more just like I'm doing a horror take on the Hulk and it's become this like Freudian psychological Jungian journey and you know (laughs) it couldn't have been that without you know being able to have the time to do it
1: I'm doing a horror take on the Hulk that I'm sure is going to be cancelled by issue six. exactly. Whoa, I can do something better with it. Oh (laughs) fuck, they're letting me (laughs) do it. (laughs) I'm
3: thirty-eight issues in (laughs) and
2: I'm
0: still selling
2: out issues. Oh god. Yeah. Jeez. And I love the fact they go from him murdering that uh, that that cop in the police station and then he so tenderly like tries to save the little girl. I thought the scene who's become a horrible monster, but
0: the little girl scene with like, yeah, what you're saying, the tenderly holding so on point. I love the art there, but I love that scene of like this horrible monster that he just says, you know, he just reassures and comforts. And then like he absorbs the gamma from, and I I really liked that.
1: Tryptophobics beware. He absorbs it through holes all over his skin.
3: Oh, Oh God. Yeah. That was, that was pretty gross to watch all the pores open up. Yeah.
0: yeah and, and, and um, him sorry.
2: telling her that oh you're a good girl you're a good girl yeah. trying to calm her down
0: and not in the creepy way like roman says to me um <laughs> i uh jangle you're kyle baker so on point particularly that cop in there like the grotesque yeah. chin the head shape it's in the flat coloring like there's a there's the way that this coloring is being done it reminds me of kyle baker i didn't think about any of that until you said it but um i think that's totally on point and um like Roman said, I've never really liked this. I, I've i liked the promise of this artist. I like how unique their stuff is, but I haven't mm-hmm. felt like it's been good for, for panel-to-panel storytelling. And this is the first time I'm like, okay, there's been a missing part, and I feel like it's been complete. But, um, some, So, scores on this book. Andrew, you're going to have to add a, a spot on the spreadsheet for your score on this one.
3: I'd give it an eight, it was pretty good. I brought some problems with the art, but... Overall, it's a really, really good story. And I like the colors, great. Yeah, everything's pretty good.
0: I give it an eight to Eight as well. Fuck yeah, Andrew. Well done. Coming in, batting a hundred.
1: <laughs> I give it an eight and a half. It's one of the few times that I've seen Photoshop kind of focus and blur effects used where it didn't bother me, where it like enhanced the art. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love any book where the, the father of the missing girl is definitely stephen king
2: Hmm. oh wow yeah you're right i didn't catch that but yeah Ooh.
3: (laughs) i don't know enough about what stephen king looks like
1: he looks like that dad and (laughs) he looks like he looks like the the dad looks like the character stephen king plays in creep show where he gets covered in green mold and his last name is green yeah and he's in a comic about the immortal hulk who is green <laughs> holy <laughs>
3: shit bud and yeah, all else other green crashing down um, those walls like immortal hulk uh, I'm,
1: yeah the earth it's flat roman oh you God. had to
0: do something disgusting like put are, are, a fucking are, cephalopod all over us i'm just wondering now if maybe there's this is setting
2: up hints for like stephen king is going to come to marvel and write it write a hulk series or something or a hulk one shot
0: Ew. okay um yeah, what did you book. give this book score wise
2: you, you know the hulk gets rabies or something and attacks a family
0: oh. um
2: i'll give it a joke I'll, okay you... i'll also give it an eight okay all right
0: nice nice Django gave it the highest score which does make some sense because it's jeff lemire book
1: it's jeff lemire and uh and, and it's a sad kid. like it's melancholic in the
0: way that jeff lemire is typically melancholic right That's, like yeah. you end it and it's almost like a little kid walking off in the snow, except it's just the grass and Bruce Banner.
1: And and the screen door on that last page is one of the best effects I've seen on a comic.
0: This dude does weird atmospheric effects like that often, yeah. though. Oh. like he's good at weird stuff like that.
1: Yeah, whatever. Whatever happened to his backgrounds in this? Uh, I'm I'm all in, and uh, they they better stick stick around like that.
0: All right. Well, let's move to the reason that we're all here, which is that Andrew Carlson, friend of the show, is going to guide us in a round of old score versus new score. I don't know how many he has or what he has, but we're bringing an Andrew in so that Jeff can play as well. And let's fucking get it.
1: Let's we have a name for get this. It.
0: No, Andrew's got to come up with a name. Oh
3: God, i not on the spot right now. Yeah, you can bring uh, it back for next okay. time. <laughs> right, we'll make a jingle it's, for oh God. Someone, not on the spot someone, right email now. in a name. Yeah. someone do the thinking for me i think i bet
0: andrew fox will send an email in about it oh god yeah that guy's crazy he emails i far. love that guy
3: <laughs> um from episode 57
1: oh, what did you
3: guys give doomsday clock number one?
1: Ooh, oh i'm sure
3: i gave it a Ooh. 10
0: i bet i gave it a 10 probably yeah i probably did too i remember Braden was on and he did not give it a 10
3: no he gave it like a six yeah i think yeah. um uh all of you guys are right except for jeff jeff you gave it a nine and a half in fact you gave it a nine and then Django bumped you up to a nine and a half
0: yeah (laughs) i could see that that makes sense to me i'm there i get that um hey everyone that's pretty close all right you guys got it jeff's behind right now i'm behind by 0.5
3: you suck at this. You're you
1: gotta,
0: well, you got to got first. More, it's my first time. It's my they first do time. Ha, yeah. They do have
3: a little bit of practice.
1: On oh, it. Are we, we still doing the absolute value? Oh, we yeah. woke up the
3: kitty. Okay.
0: duh. That's Morty. yeah, yeah you got guy. Morty s-
3: just <laughs> snuggling in the background. Um, from episode hundred and eight, Mister oh. Miracle number twelve.
0: Oh. oh
1: um. I gave that a nine, eight and a half. I'm gonna say nine.
0: I'm gonna say nine as well.
2: I'm gonna say nine and a half. But well, bet bet I bet that we said, also
1: scored the whole series. I was gonna say, I bet that. I did something
0: oh. like highfalutin like then said right. that the series was a 10, but the issue was a nine or a 9.5.
3: Yeah. Um. So Django, right on the money, again, Fuck. nine. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> gave it a nine. Okay. Roman gave it an eight. Oh, he gave the series a 10. Yeah. Okay. But did I really the last issue. It didn't seem to. Yeah, you guys all gave you guys every single one of you. Issue series is a ten. Okay. Roman but, said
1: I would have given it a nine, but I didn't like the double page spread.
0: But I did say <laughs> I gave it a nine or a nine point five, right? So like I I'm I'm okay. I'm so within Nine point five. 5. 9.5, so
3: yeah, you're, you're okay. getting so you're I'm, close. But my absolute Roman value is lost. one. Roman just got caught up with you right away because okay. that
0: was a so. Django's, t- Django's at zero. He's leading. Yeah. I'm second place tied with Roman at one, I think. Nope. I'll just get a notepad nearby. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I like that. Thank- this is why Andrew is a necessary part of this show.
1: He has a spreadsheet in front of him. Why is he getting a notepad?
0: And a notepad. He's- well, because <laughs> some things are tactile, Django. Some things are tactile.
1: Okay, okay. I've heard of that. Border town number one. Oh, my God. You are so ballsy
3: for bringing that Border book out. Town. Border Town number one. Yeah, I know. Episode 98. I'll I bet. mean, Ramon Villalobos is amazing, and yeah. he does deserve credit for what he did on there, as well as Bon the Yeah.
1: Like, listen, the guy who wrote it, Garbage Guy, but it was a good comic. Yeah. And
0: then he got paired up with Warren Ellis, and then he bailed out of that book right before Warren Ellis got ousted as being Garbage Guy as well. Yeah. Like he was yeah, going to yeah, do Wild. Yeah, Ramon has been... He's an incredibly kind person. 8.5. I bet I gave it an 8.5. I bet I gave it an 8.
1: I bet, I bet I gave it a 9.
3: Okay, okay. Jeff, you're 0.5 off.
1: <clears throat> High or low? Yeah. Low. I gave yeah, it a 9. You gave it a you 9. You gave it a 9. Nice, nice. Wow.
3: Django, you said 8, right? You guessed yeah. 8. You gave it a 9. Ooh, oh. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Take it. You're catching and up to me. And Roman, what did you guess again? 9? Uh, you gave it a ten. Oh, yeah, you dropped your gooey. You were you were feeling it. Um, following up on that very very same episode, you've got the Silver Surfer annual with Ethan Saxon on Andre Lima Araujo. Do you guys remember that?
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I remember I that. I don't yeah. remember
0: it. I remember it because I loved it, and I don't remember who else was not as impressed with it. But I, I, I gave I it remember- a seven i gave it probably high i remember being like i really like that this tackled a metaphor about humanity
1: yeah that's yeah. why i gave it a seven yeah <laughs> I, I don't want to feel
3: yeah. damn humanity <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> metaphor feelings fuck you good
0: article i, I want to say 8.5 or a 9 but i need to narrow it down to one so if i was going to narrow it down to an 8.5 or a 9 what would it be andrew
3: <laughs> Would it be? <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna say I gave it a nine. You gave it a nine.
1: Yeah.
3: You gave it a nine point yeah. uh, five actually. So oh, five. Fuck. You, Okay. You yeah. you liked it more than you, you remember. Okay. Um, J- Django, I'll go ahead and throw yours in there. You gave it an eight point five actually.
1: Oh. You really liked it. What so what did I say? Uh,
3: seven. Ooh. You thought you gave it a seven.
0: Ooh. And you gave it an eight point five. So where's his absolute value up
3: to now? Two and a half. Two and a half. Where's mine? Two and a half.
1: Oh,
3: and Roman, what do you think you did? For Man, oh
1: God! Yeah, add them all up, Roman. Divide by something.
3: <laughs> I don't remember
2: <laughs> this comic at all, but since Je- Jeff liked it so much, I'm gonna say that I probably gave it a nine and a half or a ten. Which one? Oh God! What,
3: Gooey? Ten. It was a trick question. Nine and a half.
2: Because
3: this is the same week as Border Town number one and you gave your GUI to Border Town. I think... I think you might be right. I think you only give out one gooey a week.
0: Yeah, we learned I, that after the fact, but he creates a subjective I, scale where he has the best
3: book it's of like the week.
1: 170 weeks
3: before. I we didn't found believe. That out. I didn't believe you, Roman. But I will give it to you. No, you, it, no, you got a system. I'm, I'm amazed. Believe
0: me, I'm way more <laughs> critical of this, like the the logic on this podcast than anybody. And when I learned that 170 episodes in or whatever, I was blown away. Um, his internal consistency is insane for someone who is so inconsistent um what, what do we got next
3: um from episode 92 the new world number one by alex mm. Scott and trad moore so what we read on the book club recently you think you gave it a 10
0: or a okay. 9.5 um okay Fuck. you gotta you gotta nail
3: you gotta nail it down i'm gonna so say i'm, I'm gonna say I'm, well,
0: you've looked at our scores a hundred times all right you know that i'm always a range guy um i'm gonna say 10
2: here, I'm going to say eight and a half. I'm going to say, oh, geez, a nine and a half.
1: Roman
3: and Jeff were right on the money.
1: for oh, <gasps> fuck's sake.
3: Oh. Django, you gave it a nine, so you liked oh, it more. Wow. You, did, you did like it more.
1: I didn't think I loved it until the last issue, but uh, I'll take it.
3: I remember
0: stopping in that first issue and saying this is something special. And I bet on that episode of the podcast, I said, this is something special because during the book club, <laughs> when we talked about it, Nathan did say, you told me that this was something special or something. So yeah. It um, was,
1: it was the, the dual timeline in that first yeah. issue where the, you have. Her the first issue is
3: also thick. It's and, yeah, like it is. three yes. issues thick. Yeah. 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 Um, so that, that helps. There's Otherwise it would have
1: been a 12 from Jeff. <laughs>
3: bringing it right on point with uh with the threshing place, we've got Immortal Hulk number one oh my from episode God. eighty-five. What do you guys think? You gave Immortal Hulk number one? Are we I don't guaranteed even, to I have don't read even, them? I don't even. You all read these. Yeah, okay. I almost did Thanos number thirteen, Donnie Cates's first with Cosmic Ghost Rider, but only Roman had read it. So,
0: oh. Andrew, I bet you're awesome.
3: I bet I
2: gave Immortal Hulk number one a ten. Well, yeah, it's a green dude. Yeah, yeah,
3: it's fair. That's fair. You're (laughs) right. Yeah, it's a
0: ten. I bet I gave it an eight or an eight point five. I'm going to say eight point five.
1: I bet I gave it a seven and a half.
3: Django, you gave it an eight and a half, so you're one off. Jeff, you gave it a seven. Oh wow! So you're one point five off. Damn, that really. And Roman's right on. I thought it was interesting. You actually mentioned in that episode, you thought Bennett's art looked like Mark Bagley. <laughs> I,
0: Dude, I don't, I stand by it. I, 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 there is a thing about Bennett's art where every time, especially for those first year of that book, I would look at it and I would be like, this isn't an artist I like. And I remember saying it on the podcast that then you read the book and it's perfect for the book. But I like, yeah. I, I stand by that. I, I remember saying that. I don't like if I were to look at his art in any given book, I would be like, I don't love it reminds me of Brian Hitch and Mark Bagley. Like it's flat and but in that book it becomes perfect. Like the grotesque nature of it is amplified. Um and the monsters are amplified. But um yeah, the coloring style is very bagley and hitch to me. Even now I will say that.
1: Yeah, I, I would say he's he's um closer to gabriel rodriguez to me than mark Bagley.
0: see i and i disagree with that entirely but i've heard yeah. you say that and my, oh. my thing about gabriel rodriguez is the incline is the defin- definitive thing about his art and that right. incline's is not prevalent in that book at all hmm. in my mind um we, got we should do a reread of Immortal Hulk number one at some point. That would be so fucking cool. Maybe that's what we should do for episode 200 is just revisit, a bu- reread a bunch of issues that we've already talked about, Ooh. although we've got some great feedback on what we should do for 200. We actually need to iron that out. All right, what's our next book? Wait, yeah, okay, sorry. That's it. Hey, Brian, this is- no, there's oh, one more. more. There's All one ahead.
1: more. Can I guess what it is? Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's <laughs> see. I'm going to give you
0: I- – hey, Django, I'm going to come to work on Tuesday with a giant, nice glass pint of a really fun – bottled beer if you can guess this book
1: three jokers number one
3: that would be
0: insane no. that was a month no, ago what? are, no, you, not, not you? Who are you just
1: as hard who are you who are you, who are you?
3: <laughs> no no it's not. i'm sorry Django. you, don't, you don't get
1: you that. just cost me a giant glass of really you nice cost beer. you, you cost you that
3: you cost you that say that's your blood wall <laughs> get him uh, batman number 50 the wedding issue
0: that is i love andrew pulling these books because they're I, like all books that are significant but i would never think to revisit the score so rome what were you yeah. just gonna say oh i gooey ducked that one did you gooey duck that okay i think i did
2: okay <laughs> maybe <laughs>
0: mm.
2: i like weddings I remember it wasn't a like wedding, weddings.
1: Roman. I always cry.
0: <laughs> I feel like my, uns- like the fact that the wedding didn't go perfectly or as planned or wasn't definitively. I, I felt like I, had, I could sense some people's dis- disappointment or betrayal by the idea of it when I scored it. So I don't feel like I gave it a 10. I feel like I, I was influenced by what I would perceive as other people's disappointment by it. Which isn't an admirable trait. So I, I bet it's like ugh, somewhere between an 8.5 and a 9.5. And I got to iron that down. I love it. Andrew's like, shh, shh, God. fuck you, Jeff. Tell me a number, you ranger.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say I gave it a nine.
2: Now you've got me doubting that I go. Well, hey, listen, you love
0: weddings. All right. Yeah,
2: and non weddings. Those are even those even make me cry even more.
0: Yeah, I mean you see Ooh, two yeah. pieces of incredible flatbread joining together and holy flatbread matrimony. Like that's 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 a non wedding that I would hang it's out all in. Flat ceremony.
1: Thank you. Andrew. Flatrimony. You guys. I instead of saying it, that was your
0: folly, Django. <laughs> um, I'm going to say nine as well, Django. I think that that's probably where I was at.
3: Both Django and Jeff gave it nine and a half, so
1: you guys uh, were half
3: off. Uh, well, we were
1: smelling each other's farts then and now.
3: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And Roman did gooey duck it. He oh, did. my right. God. Yeah, no. Um, surprisingly, of the seven books I pulled, Roman gooey ducked four of them.
0: I love this <laughs> theme. Well done.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll tally it up real quick. Uh, right. two and a One half, this episode of Papcast. <laughs>
1: Papcast three, Roulette.
3: Three and a half for Django. Okay. Ooh.
1: Lowest Ooh, score ab- wins. Absolute value. That's... uh. Not a ball for d Damn it.
0: Damn it, Django.
3: And three for Roman.
1: He started so oh. poorly. How did he do it? Well, he just said ten every time because there's a yeah, pretty good that, chance that he
3: yeah. did a ten. Yeah, yeah
1: but, but there was. One were in seven needs. chance on any given week.
0: That math doesn't hold up to me.
3: <laughs> like seven books every week, and oh. one's a fucking gooey duck.
1: Oh, Roman.
0: I see your math. Your che- it checks for out, it checks duck. out.
3: And if it's a significant issue, there's a good chance Roman has gooey ducked it. Yeah.
0: Andrew was like, do you want me to just do random issues? I was like, I don't know. Maybe like first issues, end of issues, or like significant one shots is what I said. Cause like nice. they, they at least help us stand out in our brain. Cause when it's like, you know, Jimmy's bastards, number one, you're like, okay. well, that's still a number one. I, re- I remember having that conversation. My hands, I don't remember probably. the scores. Um, okay, everybody Well, listen. That was amazing. Um, Andrew, thank you for being here and joining us for that for having me. Oh yeah. I feel like at least once a month we should do this, but I I think every couple of weeks we should have a, an an episode of this because I think it's a great game and on small weeks or fifth weeks or something, we should totally do this.
1: It's going to be our YouTube live channel.
0: I'll give you more of a lead next time, Andrew, um, instead of texting Whatever. you a couple hours on the day of. But <laughs> I was sitting there reading comics, and I was like, I would love to spring another joke on, another bit on Django and Roman, and Andrew's always game for it, so thank you. If anyone has I love any- fucking
3: with Django and Roman.
0: Oh, and Jeff, you yeah. dog. Um, Andrew, you're such an amazing <laughs> supporter of the story and the podcast. We're so grateful for you. If you are also out there being a person, and you are listening to this podcast, you should send us an email or record a voicemail. And on your phone is a voicemail. It's a voice memo. Django's, I can't say the words that I want. I said voicemail and Django. I said, I wanted to say Jeff and I said Django. Like that's Did where, you mean
1: voice mayo?
0: Yeah. Django and I both love mayo. Um, if you want to be a part of this, you can do it. Just send an email to info at the and put a subject line of papcast.
3: Uh, Anyone who emails in will also get a certificate in their mind uh, sent to them for a high five redeemable when it's safe to do so from me, maybe, if you see me.
0: (laughs) Andrew Carlson, friend of the show, and one day producer, he's just days (laughs) away from being the producer of this podcast. Pot Fots, pots You can have your own podcast called Thoughts pots All right, listen, we've got too many good ideas coming out right now. <laughs> yeah. We would love to hear from everybody. Info at the comicsplace.com. Subject: Papcast. P A P C A S T. Do you we think view that, us. that acronym is disgusting? Send it us is. some feedback about that. 100%. Um, so glad that Andrew let us hang out with him for a little bit. You're amazing. You keep us going. Thank you. Andrew, thank you so much for all that you do, which is a huge amount, and um, everyone out there listening doesn't realize it, but Andrew is a huge important part of a lot of the stuff that happens at our shop, so thank you to him, and to all of you wonderful listeners out there, and um, Django, do you have a really, hey Django, will you say something really funny to send us out for episode 196? Say something really good.
1: I lost my white pubic hair while we were recording.
0: And Andrew doesn't get that joke. Andrew doesn't. Andrew's coming in at the end of this podcast.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
3: All
0: right. Lost. Well, yes. I'm Jeff, and I um I have a couple white pubic hairs, and I'm gonna treasure them because um... I want to one day <laughs> be like a a, like a a Reed Richards Merkin type of fellow.
1: <laughs> I'm Django, and I would like to trade your treasured pubic hairs. <laughs>
0: oh God, I've got a gen- an almost white gray pubic. Okay, no
2: sorry. Let's Roman, just do a swapsy
1: do doodle here, Jeffy. Mm, you have to replant it.
2: i'm I'm roman and i'm wondering you know i've got some green pubic hair so i might be
0: heading through the green door pretty soon i bet he's just got a ton of gray pubic hair
3: and uh andrew i'm smooth as a babe baby
0: (laughs) (laughs) what a good one to send us out on thanks everybody uh we'll see you all for 197 next week